So as always, thank you for joining me. Enjoy the podcast. Kick back and relax. The force is strong and is with us always. And never forget. We have hope. Rebellions are built on hope. of this moment the force is strong make ten men feel like a hundred I'll take the next chance and the next you're rebels aren't you You call it the Jesse James. Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. Yo, The Bizzle, thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, ladies and gentlemen of The Bizzle cast, welcome to Star Wars coverage pre the Clone Wars returning as of recording. It's just over 48 hours. I'm definitely going to get this out before the first Clone Wars episode on Thursday. It is currently Tuesday. Uh, February 18th on Thursday at some point is going to come out the beginning of the Clone Wars, which we've all been waiting for, and I have Simi Klimon because many, many reasons, but especially Ahsoka and the Clone Wars, which we've talked about so much and we love so much, and on the first podcast I made with Simi, I made a bunch of predictions that kind of came out of nowhere that he inspired me, um, including the particular plot of this the Clone Wars, which we're going to get to, the Siege of Mandalore, but Simi, as I welcome you in, I have to say I feel so good about myself that I continue to love everything to come out of Star Wars. Everything's an A+, and I never, ever thought about jumping off the bandwagon. It feels great to be so loyal, and I, I'm here as I welcome you in. I want to welcome you back to the bandwagon, because I, I know you didn't love The Mandalorian Episode Nine as much as me. Simi Klimo. You know, you know, I want to thank you so <laughs> that was much all for having me. That was all a lie. I come here hat in hand. I just, I've been so, so caught up with the amazing God bless his name, the Witcher. May he ever forever reign. Uh, that, you know, I was just kind of like, meh, Star Wars, meh. And I was wrong and you were right. And uh, I just don't know. Fuck that. You know what's wrong. You know what you did. You should apologize to all these people. I've been here not Going against your Witcher, I've been here on the back. Oh, you've tossed many Star coins Wars to the, the Witcher. Time. You've tossed many coins and continue to t- toss, toss coins to the Witcher. I I am a equal bandwagon opportunist, but I've been the wheels on both these ships from the start. So you know, I'm never going to waver for my yeah. Star Wars because it's just not like that. It's yep. like it's like pizza or sex. Even when it's bad, it's good. It's still pizza <laughs> and sex. So mm, pizza has Star Wars the higher will always be that. Yield. Star Wars will always be pizza, sex, and Star Wars. You keep feeding it to me. You keep giving it to me. I'm gonna keep keep loving it. But I really, I really love what we're doing with The Witcher. I'm, I'm tearing through these books, uh, and I yes. really can't wait for uh, for season yes. two. I mean, we're gonna yes. do those podcasts too, people. Yes. But with, okay, guys. Uh, so. 
just really quickly, Simi, because I, I want to do an extended intro with you as we talked about. So, guys, we've done great Witcher coverage. Simi, I, I sold you on The Witcher a couple months ago, but I am shocked not how, only how much Jedi Geek Girl, who only does Star Wars, has gotten into The Witcher, that she read The Last Wish and she's reading the books and stuff, which I didn't expect. We did a whole podcast on The Last Wish. And, guys, Simi and I are going to do much coverage of the books, of which he's almost done. Um, and at this point, Simi, I think we should just wait until you finish the whole goddamn thing, because you're almost there. And then we can really talk about the full series saga and just fully spoiler it up for people who have read it and, and are familiar with it. So, guys, we were going to do a Witcher podcast tonight, but it's 48 hours from the Clone Wars. Simi... Look, I'm I would I want to eat crow, but I'm not eating crow on anything because I stick by not liking the Mandalorian. I stick by not liking Rise of Skywalker and being confused as to what they were doing. Um, and, but I also stick by the fact that there was never ever a moment, even the bad Dave Filoni directed and written episodes of the Mandalorian. There's never been a moment when I stopped being excited for this. And my biggest problem, Simi, going forward is Diego Luna has said we are filming Cassian this year. Other than that, we know nothing of anything of any Star Wars going forward. And, and so I don't change any of my opinions, and, and I never stopped wavering and being excited, and I'm so glad they're doing one a week, and it's going to go all the way into May, which is what we want. We want this to stretch out, right, Simi? And you and I are going to have lots of podcasts during this. Oh, but guys, let me not bury the lead. In addition to the intro, we are doing the final four episodes of Season 5 of the Clone Wars, Ahsoka wrongly accused of murder of the Jedi Temple, four of the best episodes of television ever, and while there was technically partially Season 6, in terms of all the real canon and lore evolving Ahsoka and Anakin and Obi-Wan, this is the end of the Clone Wars and leads directly into the Siege of Mandalore. And Simi, as we will talk about one of many things, what the Clone Wars did with Season 5 and now Siege of Mandalore is change the narrative from uh, Anakin going dark because of Padme to Anakin definitely going dark because of the treatment of Ahsoka um, and the fate and his loyalty and love of Ahsoka, which was a brilliant move both in terms of a corrective and fixing the canon, but also making it more compelling uh, with this character. But you know me well enough to know that I never stopped being excited about the Clone Wars. I'm just I'm concerned about the future at this point. Well, I mean, I think we should not forget, like, let's not forget, dude. Let's not forget, dude. Let us not forget. Let's not forget it's Disney. Like, they, they're they the ones who, like, create it before you know you want it. You know, they're the ones who are winning Oscars for Frozen and shit, man. So, you know, at the end of the day, they know how they're spoon-feeding us. And they just ended a saga. With, with the rise of Skywalker... They tried to end the saga. Uh, it, it, the landing gear completely came off, and they lost the wing and spun around. There was a fire. They had to bring out five fire trucks. Luckily, no separate. one was killed. But it was, it was uh, it, you know, a, a $3 billion airplane crash. The Chinaman is not the issue. <laughs> yeah. his, his name was Wu? Listen. <laughs> Listen, that's not the issue. That's a whole other podcast. And you're like, you're like jabbing me and punching me and expecting me not to punch back. But we got to get into that later. I'm going to keep us on track, okay? Listen, the, whether you like that movie or not, it's still the end of a saga. And you know what's what's next in, in the sugar-coated cereal that they're spoon-feeding us? The next one is the Clone Wars. So you just, you just finished, you're a new Star Wars person, you're 10 or whatever, and you've just finished it all. 
And then you, now, now they've even tried to give you the the abridged version of Clone Wars, so you can get up to date and watch this next season because this next season is going to be awesome. And you may not have realized that the next the next thing that you were going to get is Clone Wars. So, which brings me to uh, really the one thing that I will say: you never really left. You never really left our girl. She's like the great white buffalo. Never. I still talk of, about like, Star dude, Wars girlfriend. Dude, dude, you know what I mean. In in my Reuter commentaries, I talk about Ray a lot with Siri. But who do I talk about the most in comparison? Is Ahsoka Tano. Uh, she's she's a combination of I'm Ahsoka Ray. I say I'm not. That's a sincerity. You never gave up on her. No, girl. never. You've given up on Star Wars, but you never gave up on our girl. Nope. And, and I girl. never gave up on Star Wars. Unlike some Bizzlecast contributors, sorry, Jedi Geek Girl, but as I predicted, she would be back. She claimed she would hold a grudge against Star Wars beyond the Clone Wars. I told her that was bullshit, and uh, I've called her on her bullshit because she's getting psyched up, and uh, she's humble this and is- cool enough to admit that you know that I was right that you know she she would of course come back for the Clone Wars. But again, Simi, as we're going to talk about, this is a property and characters that we already fucking love, and so even if it's not amazing, it's going to be amazing. Uh, unlike- and also, let's yeah. let's this is also connect the dots here as much as you and i love her and know what she represents and who she is and follow her up the ass like this season is literally her oscar moment her springboard into her own possible live action movie Dude, she can for get nominated know, as an animated doing- character that's interesting i never thought about that if anyone was going to get nominated as an animated character this would be it but for all we know, this is going to springboard into working with Diego Luna, and because we already have put that together, that they had to have been working together at the same time in real in 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 canon, right? So, so if we all we know is Diego Luna is working on X, Y, and Z, who knows if his other person besides uh, K five is going to be our girl? Because this is really her moment. This is this is not only the Star Wars moment, but this is Disney Plus's like next Mandalorian. You know what I mean? So this is huge and she's it. She's the main character about it. We already know about everybody else. So this is basically like the backstory of Ahsoka Tana in season six or seven, however you want to call it. Cause as we know, six is weird. Um, but this is the continuation of her story in the vehicle of the clone wars, you know, general Tano and doing all her shit. So I'm excited. And I think this is, Really, what's going to finally get her center stage, uh, new female role, you know, and and really rolling out. And then they're going to do season two of The Mandalorian, and people are going to love that, too. But if you love The Mandalorian, they really, really want you to watch this cartoon series. And I think it's going to work. It's definitely going to work. And... You know, you and I uh, were surprised that Solo underperformed, for example. But in the end, Solo did very well post-market. And most people I know have seen Solo, actually, and like it. Um, so we were right about the long tail of Solo. But, Simi, I don't think we're going to have to have a long tail of Clone Wars. People are already sold. Look, if average Americans, including my, my uh, brother-in-law, Jordan, who doesn't give two shits about Star Wars, is watching and enjoying The Mandalorian, I know t- Clone Wars is... An- 
animated, but it's much darker and more adult than The Mandalorian, and people are already excited for good new content on Disney+. Plus. Because let's be honest, Simi, between the Amazon Prime genre shows and the Netflix genre shows, they are kicking the shit so far out of Disney's fucking pathetic attempts. Let's even say that The Mandalorian is great, which some people, many people think, uh, or think it's good. I don't. That's fine. Um, but, right? I mean, Disney Plus needs to nail it. And I think in terms of awards, this is the first show that, even if it's just animated awards, this is the first show that's going to do it because they have all the pieces in place. You know, this is like, you know, Avengers, uh, the final two Avengers movies. It's like, yeah, we didn't have Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson and Robert Downey Jr. together for a few years, but we knew as soon as they got back together, they'd be the fucking Avengers, uh, you know, uh, again. And and we're getting the Avengers of the Clone Wars, and it's a dark story. And like Rogue One, by the way, Simi, what what you and I already love about the structure of this is that we know how it ends, and so we can enjoy everything that happens in the middle and how we get there. It's very liberating to know the ending the way we knew sort of the ending of Rogue One, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, really quickly, uh, just to look back on Star Wars, uh, the last couple months, you know, I've told you that it, uh, other than a couple fanboys, I know, um, there were a lot of average Americans like my mom who enjoyed the final Star Wars movie. There's some fanboys who defended, but mostly it was panned and made so little money. I mean, it made almost less money than Rogue One which overperformed at a billion dollars, this way underperformed at a billion dollars. I mean, really pathetic. Less than Captain Marvel, less than The Last Jedi, less than <clears throat> Black Panther, less than Captain America Civil War. I mean, less than Iron Man 3. Like, it's pathetic for the final movie. But I think... I want to talk to you about The Mandalorian as a lead into The Clone Wars, man, because of the TV thing and because a lot more people liked it, and it proved that people want Star Wars on television more than the big screen. Let's be honest. If you wanted... If you wanted a test, and by the way, dude, I would not put it past Kathleen Kennedy that part of putting the Mandalorian in Episode Nine back to back or neck and neck, I should say, was a sort of litmus test of what Americans wanted in relation to Star Wars. And while the Mandalorian was clearly better quality than the movie, it also proved that people are excited about Star Wars on TV and don't need to go to the theater, unlike the big Avengers movie. So I want to get to the Mandalorian, but really quick about the film, Simi, is that I just think JJ. Abrams and company wanted to please everybody with everything, and it was just a classic case of pleasing nobody with nothing. I think it's also a classic case of uh, oversaturation, and at some level, like, do we really need to go see this other Star Wars? But like you said, do we really need to go to the movies? Like, the way we consume, you know, theater, theatric, uh, you know, uh, presentations on television or in a theater, like... Most people don't even like going to the movies anymore because their TV is just as good, if not better. So then the only reason to go is because you get to see it first. But then there's all this other shit on TV. So it's really like not a a fair comparison to like previous generations of movies and things like that for what's going to happen in the long run. But ultimately, uh, I think it was definitely oversaturation, like maybe a little too much Star Wars. And I also don't necessarily i know this is going to sound weird i thought the title was whack uh just because it, it just felt i don't know it just felt my like favorite you've meme seen it before you've seen that movie before you've Sam, heard of it before or? Sam, my my favorite meme from all this because i hate the ray skywalker thing it was the one with tom holland 
you, you know, and 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 uh, <laughs> yeah. Avengers. Uh, he says, "I'm Peter Parker." Doctor Strange says, "I'm Doctor Strange," and and he goes, oh, like, "Oh, we're, we're going with our made-up names. names. I'm Spider-Man." So, and they just flip that with Ray saying, "Ray Skywalker," and him saying, "Oh, we're going up with our made-up names." It, it was a horrible ending. You know that I'm more of a fan of Bendemption than most, and I think they nailed Bendemption and even the kiss better than anything else in the movie in terms of level of difficulty. And I was fine of Rise of Skywalker being his final sacrifice for Ray. To it to be Ray as the Skywalker was, was really just unimaginative. It is interesting that Chris Terrio, who who it has won some awards, but also wrote Batman v Superman. You know, there were some Batman v Superman elements to the movie where you're like, wow, the pacing's off, the lines aren't hitting, like, the characters don't feel like the characters, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was way yeah. more exciting, in, you know, than, than uh, in the Star Wars than Batman v Superman, but you could kind of feel it. J.J. was overwhelmed. They brought him back as to save, you know, a dying project. But what's interesting, Simi, and we'll finish on the movie, talk briefly about The Mandalorian and get into sort of Star Wars on TV, because let's be honest, with firing the Game of Thrones guy, we know Ryan Johnson's happening. We don't know the timetable on that, but we know casting's happening. They've sh- they've indefinitely postponed Obi Wan, but I still think Obi Wan's happening. But between Clone Wars and casting and some other stuff, and we see Marvel moving to television. Yes, especially with the bad box office returns as they go down from Last Jedi to Solo to this. And obviously, Star Wars is going to focus on television, and that's part of why they canceled or just never announced movie slates going forward. So uh, we we have plenty of time to to dissect Rise of Skywalker uh, continually down the road, um, but I-, I think, dude, that you know uh, what the problem with bringing JJ back somewhat late in the game for this movie was that in Rogue One, yes, there were reshoots, but they still had Gareth Edwards directing, whose vision it was, and they just brought in some veteran writers because Gareth Edwards is not a writer. They brought in Tony Gilroy and some award-winning writers, and they they pumped up the script. And as you and I know, Rogue One is one of the best scripts ever, um, and, and they nailed it. Ron Howard is, you know, sorry, J.J. Abrams, you're not Ron Howard. And so they could bring in Ron Howard with Solo, but Simi, we had Lawrence Kasdan and Kasdan's son working on that script from the beginning. So they had a solid foundation when they had to reshoot Solo. They had the script. That was the problem. That's why they fired Lord and Miller is because they weren't going by the script. And Larry Kasdan is going, I wrote Empire fucking Strikes Back. Get the fuck off my set. And Kathleen was like, yeah, get the fuck off the set. Ron Howard, come in. Make the movie. Solo, boom. Nailed it. JJ, it just the creative juices and energy never came back. The Rose Tico thing is poisonous. The Ray Kylo thing wasn't fully realized. There are just so many problems with the movie. It was just confounding and bizarre as much as it was bad. And I'm just glad it's over and I'm glad the saga's over, I hope. Um, but we might be getting Mark Hamill as Vesemir, Uncle, Uncle Vesemir, baby, in The Witcher. So we'll see. Oh, that'd be interesting. I hope his acting gets... That was a fan-casting rumor a few months ago, and then all of a sudden it surfaced that along with Matt Mickelson, they actually were thinking of offering Vesemir to Mark Hamill, because Mark Hamill on Octo, when he's being good uh, Luke Skywalker, and and not crazy bad Luke Skywalker, it looks and acts almost exactly like Vesemir. If you take Luke towards the end, when he starts really feeling affectionate for Rey, that's how Uncle Vesemir is, as you know, towards Ciri the entire time. He would be great. Mads would be great as well in that role. Um, and so, you know, it, it was great to get Harrison Ford one last time. And I would love to see Mark Hamill do voices because I think he can do it. And we've seen that he can do the voices. But 
I think we can all agree that we are glad this is over. Ryan Johnson is going in a different direction. We'll see where the TV series goes. At the moment, they're still in the dark times, which you and I keep agreeing and talking about. And we'll see in the Clone Wars how everything from the Clone Wars, you know, up through Rogue One is just pure gold constantly. Um, but we have to hope that Ryan Johnson and other, you know, efforts are, are, are going in different directions. So your final thoughts about Rise of Skywalker. And then we're going to talk briefly about The Mandalorian as a lead-in to Disney Plus Star Wars TV. And then the Clone Wars commentary, guys. Episodes 17 through 20, Season 5. You know the episodes. I don't have to tell you guys. But, it, you know, I'll keep announcing it. Um, uh, uh, because, you know, it, it's absolutely critical. As we'll talk about, Simi, those episodes in the end of Clone Wars were critical within the canon, but also within the culture of Star Wars. I want to save that for the discussion. So final thoughts about Rise of Skywalker and why it did so pathetically poorly in the box office. You know, I don't know exactly why it did so pathetically poorly in the box office, other than the fact that it wasn't amazing. I mean, it was good. Like it was, I mean, good, to be fair, it was a good Star Wars dude, movie. Really quick. It was good. To, That's to it. be fair, I predicted that the Birds of Prey movie with Harley Quinn would get terrible reviews but kill in the box office. And it got really good reviews and was horrible in the box office. So I am losing my my way in all of this uh, and predicting what's going on. I, I thought after a jo- another Joker movie in a Venom movie at Rated R did so well. I thought a Harley Quinn Rated R movie would do amazingly. Uh, they're admitting after the fact they should have pumped Harley Quinn more. Obviously, that was dumb, but it's still a rated R Harley Quinn movie. I can understand it, but definitely Rise of Skywalker, even as as bad or lackluster, at least, as it was, I still find t- it confounding it made 1,000,067. 1, 1 million? That's all it made? Yeah, 0.067. Oh, my God. Wow. It's pretty awful. That's really awful. So I, I have it at, at a at a C or C minus right now. Where do you have it at? Um, I don't, I don't think I'd argue with that. And for the yeah. record, it only beat Rogue One by eleven million dollars. But remember, Rogue One is twenty sixteen dollars on a smaller budget with a completely unknown cast that had nothing to do with Jedi or Luke Skywalker or lightsabers. Right. And so Felicity Jones and Diego Luna and them succeeded in a way that all of this flash and bang of the Skywalker saga could not do. I would argue that Rogue One making a billion succeeded better than last. Jedi at 1.4. It certainly succeeded better than equal money for Rise of Skywalker. But hey, man, you know, I've said it about Felicity Jones, who keeps killing it, and Diego Luna from the beginning. And, you know, there's a reason that the only confirmed show that has zero controversy and that everyone's excited for and we just want to get going is the Cassian show because they fucking realize that you and I want a Rebel Rising show with Saw, you know, in Young Jen. I think we might. I get that in the future because dude i'm replaying jedi fallen order which is so great but but forrest whitaker in the video game he keeps getting better he, he does the cartoon and then he does a video game his saw Gerrera just keeps getting better and better and better and fighting with his gorillas to free the wookies in the video game is like one of the coolest experiences ever so i think rebel rising's on the table we want more of this stuff um, and so forth. Uh, and, dude, m- m- look, m- my final thought about the movie itself, about Rise of Skywalker, is 
between Snoke and the First Order, they never made the future that interesting. And throwing the Emperor in didn't help. And so, you know, other than Leia and Bloodlines, which is spectacular, the period between Return of the Jedi and Episode Nine never ended up being that original or interesting. And I think, for, at least for us lore nerds, uh, th- that's a major problem. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it it's really... Mm-hmm. Maybe the, the one thing I could tell you about... Uh, the advertising, by the way, for Harley Quinn was awful. Like, you had no idea what the film was about. There are some pretty cool characters in the movie, and they didn't really, like, explain it. It, it was like, it looked awful. It just looked awful. It was like, I'm sexy. And then it just ended. But like, that's, that's, that's Harley got. Quinn's character as the thing. The problem no, but she's, is... she's, like, sick and yeah. twisted, and she was a doctor. Yeah. And, like, there's so, all these other things, like, and she's actually brilliant, you know? And, like, right. like so, it was just, it was stupid. It's like, I'm sexy. And then it just, literally, that's it. That's so, it. That's all I got from the... I, I made fun of the original title in my uh, Margot Robbie Have You Lost Your Damn Mind solo rant podcast a few months ago, (laughs) but the official title was Birds of Prey colon in the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. The problem is, even though that's ridiculous, and they should have called it Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey from the beginning, which is what they're doing, they ended up just calling it Birds of Prey. And so I can make fun of the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn, but at least that's interesting. It has Harley Quinn in the fucking title. DC, what are you thinking? Yeah, they they don't think. And this uh, is my problem, Star Wars dude. Thing, I uh, think they uh, made really quick. Oh, by the way, movies. by the way, real quick. In twenty sixteen dollars, Rogue One beat Rise of Skywalker on this soil in the United States by over twenty million dollars. Listen, at the end of the day, like I said, pizza, sex, either sex, pizza, Star Wars, kind of in that order. And no matter what, even if, even if it's bad, it's good. So. When I'm eating it, when I'm consuming it, when I'm eating I disagree life. about sex. I don't disagree about pizza. Well, you know, some of us are sensitive, all right? But listen, at the end of the day, these are the things that I want more of, and I don't mind that it's a C minus, C plus, or whatever. Like, that's fine by me. But I think they probably made one too many, you know, of this saga movies. Like, they needed to do another trilogy because, you know, that's how they roll. Um... You know, and, and it's so funny. They they put all these all this shit into into like a two two and a half hour movie, and like Netflix is just like, oh, hold my drink. You know, like like they're like, I'm just gonna go ahead and release you know seven movies in this like you know blah like and, and getting nominated you, movie of the year, my guy and your guy from Prisoner of Azkaban, Alfonso Cuarón, winning movie of the year last year with fucking yeah. Netflix movie. Yeah, I mean it's and also uh, shout out to uh, Lock and Key. Uh, Stephen King's son wrote the books. Hmm. I'm actually about to start the books when I finish Witcher, um, and it, it's it's really good. I mean it's uh, Harry Potter meets uh, violent serial killers. And it sounds like The Witcher. That's exactly what The Witcher is. It's Harry Potter meets violent serial killers, rapists. Yeah, 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 yeah. Slash. Yeah, yeah. No, I'll just leave it there. Serial killers meet Harry Potter. By the way, so guys, it- just a quick Witcher bit. Now having gone through three times and about to finish Lady of the Lake, which is the final epic book, which is spectacular to me. I'm not going to lie; it's an amazing finale. Um, but it it, it 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 goes all over the place. But guys out there, as dark as it Witcher is, and there are a lot of feel good moments, and we have good guys that we're rooting for. 
But we've already seen with Strigobor experimenting on Remfrey, male wizards experimenting on girls and women is a constant theme in The Witcher. It's like Nazi doctor shit. And so, on top of the genocide and ethnic cleansing, just be prepared for at least the talking about an implied physical, disgusting um, uh, experimentation on young women by male uh, wizards and and scientists. So, just heads up there. Because yeah, I dude. just got through the Vilgefortz part. It's so horrifying. Yeah, man. I can't wait to finish it. I'm getting there. I think during my trip to so Paris... So to me... Oh, this is the Bridge of the Mandalorian. To me, The Witcher is clearly by far better on every level than The Mandalorian. But, dude, as I told you, I'm still thrilled The Mandalorian did well because it means more Star Wars. It means there's some good Star Wars. And, dude, it's tracking... It Mandalorian tracked well among old-school fans, among Raylo younger fans, among average Americans. So, to start getting in the positive territory here, even though I didn't like it and, and didn't really get through it, um, I, I, I'm curious as to your reaction as to why, other than it being better, but, like, what are some other reasons The Mandalorian was so universally at least liked and enjoyed by Americans, even Americans who, like you said, called it cotton candy, but in a positive way, but the cotton candy of Rise of Skywalker was so negative. Like, how do you make sense of that comparison? Well, it's less of a commitment. Like, you you know, I'm not going to go to a movie if I felt like I had to see the seven other movies before it. You know what I mean? Or the nine other movies before it. Or what is it? Eight. Eight other movies before it. Like, I'm just not going to go to that movie. Like, a half an hour of of, uh, The Mandalorian, which I can watch with my 10-year-old or whatever, is way more consumable. I can watch it when I want to watch it. It's not like I have to, like block off a two and a half hour thing mm-hmm. you know it's just not it's just not that much of a commitment mm-hmm. and then it has like this nice little sugar coating with with baby yoda that like there's just a fucking something for everyone it's just a fucking buffet of of of, of american consumerism mm-hmm. with like you know a wholesome core because i like it because it's again it's fucking star wars <laughs> you know so it it's it's not so bad uh, but I think it's just no. Easier, it's far easier. from not so bad. It's renewed it's and people like it. It's easy consumption. That's all it is. It's it's a very good story. There's some good action. There's not a lot of fucking. You know, like if but, any. Yeah, but it's it's just interesting because you have Oscar Isaac and fucking Adam Driver, Oscar nominees on the one hand, and you have Gina Carano and Apollo Creed on the other. You don't expect the second duo to do so much better than the first, but again, this is the Jin Erso and Cassian being more popular than Han, Lando, and Chewie, you know, so who knows? You know, uh, a person is smart. People are stupid. Um... Well, I'm you not know, willing so. to say that with The Mandalorian. I- I'm willing to say that I just didn't like it. I'm, uh, I'm not willing to... to, to because Mass America loved The Mandalorian. And, I, and this is one case with Star Wars w- when there is a, a, a melding of the minds and they don't compromise the vision, even if, yes, it's a little superficial and cotton candy with Baby Yoda. But th- this is... I'm actually going to give credit to the American people about with The Mandalorian. And I'm also going to give credit to Americans being critical of Rise of Skywalker. That's how it should be. Star Wars to me, if nothing else, you and I can agree that in order for it to remain great, we need to hold Star Wars up to a higher standard than Marvel, DC, and things like Fast and Furious and the Bourne movies. 
you know, I'm just saying, like, what I was going to say is there's no way I'm going to be able to tell what they like. You know, like, I, just same way you thought, uh, you know, Birds of Prey. Would, I'm asking would... you to hypothesize based <laughs> on conversations with people, your experience and talking with people, a couple reasons why people like the Mandalorian so much. And then we're going to get into the Clone Wars. Like I said, Baby Yoda, that he's just cute and lovable. Okay. It's D- easy. Without Baby Yoda, does that show succeed at all? No. So isn't that a problem for the show? Yes and no. It's like Return of the Jedi. I mean, you and I love the Ewoks, but for most people don't like the Ewoks. Return of the Jedi succeeded in spite of the Ewoks. The B- Baby Yoda is so clearly a crutch that I recognized early on. By the way, Simi, I actually don't think Disney was expecting to have to rely on Baby Yoda. I think they thought the show was good enough without Baby Yoda. And so it's actually somewhat uncynical, my view of Disney and Lucasfilm here, but they did end up having the crutch with Baby Yoda. And for me, when I lost interest was, I thought it was going to be Geralt and Siri, dude, with the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda. And when it wasn't that, and I then got girl in Syria I was like I'm, of course I'm gonna shift here it doesn't matter the property I love the father daughter father son mother son stuff listen th- there's a formula in this the same way that they failed with Jar Jar Binks the same way that we the who was supposed to be the next Chewbacca. big thing and, and right, right. as opposed but to Baby Yoda right yeah. so but the, but the, the idea wasn't wrong, just the follow-through was. So the idea of the Porgs with Chewbacca, the idea of, in Rise of Jedi, uh, Rise I forget of his name, the Le- Rise, of, Rise of Skywalker. People like the Porgs, by the way. They do, but, okay, they were trying to market, There's a whole. there was a whole, like, 30-second uh, clip uh, commercial for Rise of Skywalker with uh, the little... Can, can I chime in on this real quick? Let me finish, let me finish. Well, no, the I little, just... little thing, okay. well, let me finish my point. The little thing that, like, went and got C-3PO's memory back and did a thing, they tried to market that as the baby Yoda for Rise of Skywalker because Baby Yoda was doing so well. So they made this little quick clip of him, like, he could be the new thing. So it's a it's That wasn't the intention. Dark... This is why I have to right. step in. Right. I'm, I'm pulling a Bizzle That's early tonight, saying. so I won't pull one later. I'll pull a Bizzle early, which That's is... That's what I'm saying. That was the intention. They were oh, like, oh, hold on. going to be the Baby Yoda of Rise of Skywalker. In both the Porgs case and Baby Yoda's case, man, they knew they were cute. But I know for a fact, look, the Porgs weren't revealed until they were in the background of a, 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 a entertainment weekly shoot six months before the movie and that's what set off the craze they weren't expecting the porks to be as big as they were and they were not i know for a fact expecting baby yoda to be as big as they were so it begs the question simmy why of all people hold on of all people the kathleen kennedy and the people at lucasfilm should know that baby yoda the porgs would be huge attractions and so the fact that they were like backed up on merchandise and couldn't believe how popular they were it's both a failure of preparation but also a failure of making everything else great and relying on these things it's a double failure Sorry. They may not, they may not have been wrong that it would have been successful without Baby Yoda, but they don't they didn't realize how successful it is with Baby Yoda at the time. But the last Jedi still- I like mostly not because of the Porgs, whereas there's not much I like in the Mandalorian outside of Baby Yoda. It's a big difference. But, By the way, last Jedi A minus for me right now, Simi. It's back up to an A minus after Rise of Skywalker. It's a dartboard of of cuteness and they spin the wheel and throw the dart at the same time and it lands on something and we're like 
one time they're like, oh, we're going to make an eight foot tall uh, uh, walking, you know, sea creature called Jar Jar Binks. And another time it's a Porg and another time it's Baby Yoda. You know, sometimes they hit, sometimes they miss. But, you know, I know like, like my, the people at my office that are unattentive uh, fans, like no Baby Yoda. My friends. Sure, uh, my mom knows Baby Yoda. Everybody knows Baby Yoda. Like, it was just easy for, like, everybody from all ages to, like, grasp on the same way they like cats. Right. But what what I'm saying, Simi, sorry, what I'm saying is I don't know what's more egregious, that they didn't realize the Porgs and Baby Yoda would be so big or that they ended up having to rely on things like Baby Yoda and the Porgs. In terms of preparation as a company, I don't know what's more egregious. It's, it's... it's certainly not a failure, quote-unquote, in the sense that the Porgs and Baby Yoda were popular, but the fact that they didn't expect him to be that popular, but then ended up relying, especially with Baby Yoda, is is disturbing, and which is why, unfortunately, Simi, for the moment, Kathleen Kennedy has been dethroned as the Golden Goddess, uh, replaced by Lauren Hisrick, the showrunner of The Witcher. But I think Kathleen can get back there um, after Clone Wars, and we'll see what's what's coming up, because we got we got to get into Clone Wars. So final thoughts about The Mandalorian, because, again, this leads into Clone Wars in the sense of this was a big success on television for Star Wars and Disney, right? I mean, there's no question. Right, right. right. No, I think I think we're ready for this. I think our people, if you guys are about to get into this new uh, Clone Wars season that's about to come out, this is there's no better way to do it than to uh, watch these next four episodes with us. Uh, as for The Mandalorian... Um, you know, you can come for the burger and stay for the fries. Like, even if they get rid of Baby Yoda at some point, people may be well ingrained in it. And, you know, sometimes you lose your best character, your favorite character, and you move on. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's a, it's a successful franchise right now, even if the next season isn't great. You know, at some level, it doesn't even matter. Like, you know, there's going to be another season, maybe two more seasons. How much farther could they take this story? You know what I mean? So... It's just going to be what's next on the, uh, you know, the Disney sugar train. What are they going to What are they going to spoon feed us? All right, buddy. Well, let's do a couple minutes on um, uh, uh, the Clone Wars, and then you and I are going to take a break, which will be a race from history. And while we take that pee break, I will decide whether this is going to be two podcasts or one. I'm thinking it's going to be two, um, which I love doing with you um, because we have so much to talk about. But I do want people who want the commentary to just get the commentary. Um, but we do need to talk about a couple things. Do you mind if I give you a brief timeline uh, that uh, uh, intersects? It's like The Witcher in interactive map online but me you and the clone wars really quick yeah man flow so in in the spring of 2016 in celebration europe because star wars celebration when it doesn't do us goes to like the uk or whatever there was a very long dave filoni panel with ashley Eckstein and uh pablo hidalgo semi which you've seen in which uh, dave filoni outlined what season seven of Clone Wars would look like with the Siege of Mandalore and hand drawings of Ahsoka. Ashley Eckstein was in tears. Filoni was loving making Ashley Eckstein in tears because that's one of his great joys. Tears of happiness, but also sadness that hadn't happened. In the fall of 2016, Simi, around my birthday, the Ahsoka novel was released. E.K. Johnston, who's a great writer, I read, is fantastic, and could not believe that there were like four, two or three page teases in that book of the Siege of Mandalore, 
in, in the E.K. Johnston book where she fights Darth Maul and is the only canon that we had gotten about, you know, the transition between Ahsoka leaving the Jedi Council, as we're going to see tonight in our commentary, and when she pops up being a fulcrum uh, with, with Bail Organa and so forth. And they teased it in the book, and Dave Filoni was right, you know, over the shoulder of E.K. Johnston to make sure all the lore made sense. So that's great. Fast forward to 2017, Simi. You and I reconnected. You had been following me online for a while. We reconnected as friends. We talked, but you were following the Bizzlecast. You were listening to the Bizzlecast. You told me you were a huge Star Wars fan. And I had you on. And I'm not just doing this to jerk you off, but like, not just in terms of like being good, but just in terms of like being easy and comfortable. Your premiere appearance on the Bizzlecast was by far the best. Like, I I remember immediately feeling a connection. With you, no, I'm serious. Immediately feeling chemistry because we grew up. We were born almost exactly the same time. We grew up loving Return of the Jedi, Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, all the same stuff. The toys, the video games. You know, I was more sort of engrossed in general nerd culture than you. But when it comes to Star Wars, we were very similar, and we've continued even with our you know minor variations on like Kylo Ren, for example. We both wanted him to get murdered. Like in general, like our opinions mostly line um and uh it's i think it's a, it's a credit to us but mostly to you uh that we've managed to have so many interesting podcasts finding stuff we disagree on because we agree on so much but it was just a, such a comfortable podcast but simi uh, you know i have to say yes i predicted ahsoka and time travel in that episode as i described to you the book i was writing about obi-wan and ahsoka on tatooine um and so it was sort of an offhanded prediction but i specifically told you after reading the ahsoka book and the, watching multiple times the Filoni panel less than a year before that that i thought the siege of mandalore was for sure in some version going to happen and so in 27 or 2018 you know uh, 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 oh and simi i should mention by the way you, you know from 2012 or 2013 uh when ahsoka leaves the jedi council uh, until she appears at the very end of season one of Rebels, people thought she was dead or never coming back. The Ahsoka lives thing is absolutely real, and until they uh, they they confirmed, uh, you know, the second season of Rebels, October second, twenty fourteen. Uh, you, you know, there was feeling like Ahsoka was not going to come back at, at all, and it was a major deal that she came back, and then they tried to kill her again with Vader, which we're going to talk about, and then she comes back, but I predicted that she was never going to die, that she was going to come back, I predicted the world between worlds, and I predicted the Siege of Mandalore, but again, I credit this to you inspiring me through your love of Ahsoka, which I did not see coming in that first podcast, it was your love of Clone Wars and Ahsoka, and we're going to get a lot of amazing Ahsoka tonight, it's all about Ahsoka, Sam so i loved ahsoka and i liked the clone wars uh the point that you and i started conversing but i really started loving the clone wars on rewatches and then of course our great commentaries which you guys should check out so really quick thoughts about that first podcast where we talked tons of ahsoka and clone wars and you know where we've come these last few years to where we're getting that seventh season that filoni talked about that had ashley Eckstein in tears well, dude, if you will, it is no dream. It's true. Uh, Peter, it's Peter true. Herzl, State of Israel. State of Israel. Uh, Way to go, Donnie! <laughs> so, I mean, it's funny. Sometimes, you know, the world seems like a flipped upside down backwards place that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. But then, The world I mean, has turned and left me here, if you will. Seriously. But, 
you know, but then they go ahead and make the TV shows you want. So it's not all bad. There's a silver lining somewhere in, in all this nonsense that we call life. So I did uh, re-listen to these podcasts just to get the, the, this intro going and then into the commentary, Simi. I did listen to a bunch of parts of uh, going way back into more, more recent stuff, but specifically like our Ahsoka Clone Wars. And, you know, what was so interesting to me was, again... You as a huge Star Wars fan, but not necessarily like a, a mega nerd in, in the way I, I, I am. Uh, like you are, as I've said many times, you are healthily not uh, into sort of Twitter nerd culture, which is so poisonous and annoying. You just have Harry Potter and Star Wars and a couple properties that you love, and you go to town on them, and that's exactly what you do. But I was impressed with how early you were into Clone Wars. And that you not only loved young Ahsoka in the Clone Wars, but you were never annoyed by her because the majority of Star Wars fans, whether they will admit it or not, especially old men, really hated Snips uh, and the whole Sky Guy thing early on. The writing for her got much better very quickly, but she was still Snips and everyone loves Ahsoka. Not everyone loves Rey and lots of people don't love Rose Tico, but for some reason, not only does everyone love Ahsoka Simi, but most most men of our age were not like you in, in loving her immediately. So as, as a bridge into the commentaries, and guys, again, episode 17, 18, 19, and 20 of season 5, Sabotage, the Jedi who knew too much to catch a Jedi and the wrong Jedi of season 5 are the four episodes we're going to do. Um, whether it's this com- podcast or another one, uh, I'll figure it out and let you guys know in the copy, in, 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 in the posts and so forth. But Simi, what did you see in Ahsoka getting into the Clone Wars fairly early where you not only weren't annoyed by Snips in the portrayal of Snips but really liked her so um, I am a little brother and I do not have it's just me and my older brother two years apart boys very into sports very 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 competitive very very competitive so when I grew up to when we grew up uh, you know, I, I don't know what I would like to have a little brother or a little sister. So coming from the perspective that you're saying where people didn't like Snips at first or hated her. No, they hated her. Hate, when they saw the hate, movie in the theater in fine. the first half of season one, men straight up hated Snips, but it completely flipped by season two. But go ahead. Men are stupid. A man is smart. As I was saying. Yeah, you're right. So, 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 but that's not a bad progression because I imagine that to be the progression of a little sister who earns her stripes, earns my respect, becomes my equal, and then surpasses me and I'll follow you anywhere. There's tons of, of history of uh, older brothers becoming the background and the younger brother being the big thing or vice versa with sisters and brothers and so on and so forth. But for her to like, A, have that, like, you, you can't not love her story because she totally flips. She's like Magic Johnson. She changed the game. She flipped the whole Jedi thing on its ass and was like, because up until that point when she didn't exist with all the other ones. She is Magic Johnson. That's fantastic. We've been looking for that comparison for four years, and you nailed it with Magic Johnson. She she changed the entire Star Wars game and blew everybody's mind because this is pre-these Jedi. She's a six-foot-eight power forward slash point guard, yeah. Who can pass? No, yeah. no. But the point is, she changed the whole way you look at Star Wars because of the first time that we're like, maybe Yoda's wrong. You know, maybe they were, maybe this Jedi religion wasn't right. Maybe there's some things 
that are, you know, really, you know, there's one thing with the force, but the other thing to be a Jedi. Yep. And the way she like literally throws on a fucking leather jacket and hops on a goddamn motorcycle and gets the fuck out of Dodge and says, thanks, but no thanks. How could you not res- respect your little sister who is now your big sister? You know, you're like, no, wait, come back. I didn't appreciate you when I had you. And then we're all sitting there waiting for her to come back. We have that amazing, if you follow it, and that, I mean, even if you're just a fan, you had to have seen Rebels. And, you know, when she comes back, uh, you know, in, in the world between worlds and, and has her episode with the Emperor and Ezra. And, and you know, I mean, that's what's so cool. So that's kind of the way I think of her. She's, she's a little sister I never had that you know at first was snippy and annoying but but had some good points and wasn't dumb you know and had a lot of potential then she became you know my equal or our equal and she's on our level and then she just fucking passes everybody you know and takes off you know gandalf but wow. what's interesting is she's not actually snippy but you think she is because they call her snips and dude as you know in the witcher at first yennefer calls Siri the ugly one uh, for a while and she tries to explain to Siri that it's ironic and that Siri's beautiful and that's why she can call her the ugly one. It's also obviously a sort of trans uh, 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 transitive property of Yennefer having been ugly you know what I mean and so forth uh, but it, 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 it's it's interesting because she's not actually snippy, but it's great that he keeps calling her snips because, you know, as we talked about in, I think, the Mortis podcast as well as the, um, the, the mall one, which, by the way, dude, our mall uh, commentaries, like uh, uh, end of season four, early five, absolutely slayed for some reason more than the other commentaries. People love fucking Darth Maul, um, and those episodes are great. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we, we talk about how when Anakin's really mad at her, he calls her Ahsoka. You know what I mean? And Snips is just, you know, kind of the fun little pet little sister name or, or whatever, the you know, like the ugly one or whatever. Um, and so, uh, it, you know, it, it was one of those that I guess even the dummies realized, actually, she's not snippy and annoying. She's sort of the opposite of that. Uh, and, you know, they got rid of the Sky Guy in the R2E, which was over the top and way too anime. Um, something else we'll talk about maybe that we've talked about is how if you compare this to anime, even the most annoying Ahsoka or Clone Wars or Rebels is way less annoying than any anime, uh, for the most part out there, but they were still conscious of it and it worked. It worked. The writing for her by the, by the Cad Bane that we started with, dude, by the Cad Bane end of season one, uh, bit already Ahsoka was throwing herself wildly into battle with Anakin and dude, we'll talk about this in the commentary, but like, her loyalty to and love of, of uh, almost blind love of Anakin as a friend, student, and compatriot and partner uh, is what ultimately sold her to fans very quickly who were skeptical. It's like, oh, this is Ahsoka's boy, quote unquote, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And speaking speaking of Maul, uh, you know, actually, that's where these last three episodes before leading up to the episode that we're going to start. Yes, this is the, uh, the murderation. That was the Savage. Yeah. Uh, this is where Maul gets his new legs, yep. um, and Savage gets a new arm, and they're meeting up with the uh, the Death Squad. 
Um, and so anyways, that's where, that's like three episodes yes, ago. And we go through that montage. We did not get to baby Jedi's, which maybe we'll go back to cause it's great with Ahsoka, the baby Jedi's and Hondo and so forth. And, and, it, and they create their lightsabers, which is actually really important because it was actually, they, you know, they never really talk about <clears throat> in anywhere how lightsabers are supposed to be made. Like Luke. Cause like we all like, these are just lightsabers that keep getting, uh, recycled and recycled because there is no more Jedi temple, temples in the in the in the now canon. Uh, you know, as far as as we, as we come, so this is actually a really cool uh, canon uh, of how how it happens and how they're actually made. So you know, uh, in that, those episodes Sorry. and the Ahsoka book, the wintry mountainous planet Ilum that they go to to find the crystals, right. Um, and it's, we also see, you know, Ahsoka, um, you know, when she kills the Inquisitor in the book and, and, and bloods the crystals and, you know, makes it into her two lightsabers, whatever. Well, guys, you've had a long enough time to play it and Jedi Fallen Order, which is a fantastic Star Wars game. And Simi, one of the reasons I left last year with a positive feeling about Star Wars, despite not liking Mandalorian or Rise of Skywalker, was I love Jedi Fallen Order so, so much, just as a Star Wars story. And I'm replaying it now. Um, and I love it. But we knew there was going to be five or six planets and one of them would be Dathomir and that was going to be key with the Night Sisters and stuff. And one of the highlights of the game is one of the final remaining night sisters actually turns out to be a good guy and she's badass and sexy and awesome and ends up being sort of your your buddy late in the game but simi the one planet they kept totally secret is at one point when you're at your lowest point as the jedi as your jedi character and you break your lightsaber they take you to fucking ilum and you have an extended series of missions in the wintry mountains oh, of cool. ilum as you find the crystal and you can choose your color you get to choose among like eight colors for your lightsaber it's absolutely amazing and what's great about the game is after that they still let you change it later if you want just for aesthetics but like it's a big deal do you want to know what color i chose that was the first question i asked isn't it (laughs) so you start the game being able to have a green or blue lightsaber i pre-ordered so mine's actually orange i have an orange lightsaber um but when i got to ilum I i was not playing with that stuff and so it was the first time i got to change uh, my color. And so I'm curious if you have a sense of what the color was. And remember, a number of these colors are, you know, lighter shades or so forth uh, of primary colors. I would say you chose purple. Purple would be the obvious one for me because I love purple. Um, and if there had been a light purple, that would have been uh, the obvious choice. Oh, purple was only like a Sith one. No, 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 it was a choice, but I felt like I wanted one that was very me, but not Sammy J or someone else. I chose teal. I chose light blue. And do you know one of the reasons I chose light blue was it looks like a fucking Ahsoka lightsaber, man. It was the closest to white as possible. And you have a double lightsaber. And by the end of the game, you can break your double lightsaber in half whenever you want to have two lightsabers. So I'm fighting with a light blue double lightsaber or two of them, like Ahsoka. So, and I love blue. So that's That's why I went with that. Yeah. That's awesome. You would love that game. I kind of want to come over for because it's not that long of a game, and it's third person, you know, f- fighting stuff. That it, it, it's not easy, but 
Um, I almost want to bring my PlayStation 4 over to your place for the weekend and just bang through that game with you. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, I would totally do it. I'm getting a PlayStation 5 in eight months, so I don't fucking care. Oh, wow. um, and just get through Jedi Fallen Order, because it's such a beautiful story. And again, between three episodes three and four, um, you know, it's absolutely gold. And I know Clone Wars is technically before episode three, but it, it feels like the dark times already. Uh, this is my final question to you, Simi, as, as we'll take our break and then uh, do the uh, the commentaries for episode 17 to 20 of season 5 of Clone Wars with Ahsoka and the Jedi Council, which is do you agree with me that like Rogue One, it's a strength of this series that we know where it's going, and so it liberates both the creators and us to have the freedom to explore how we get there and everything that happens in the middle. I, I as think, opposed I to, think, sorry, as opposed to episode nine or the end of Game of Thrones, where in both cases people are expecting a number of huge plot twists and revelations, none of which materialized. Right, it's like you're watching the movie Titanic. You get what's going to happen at the end. Yeah, you know? and I'll give that to the movie uh, Titanic. Actually, yeah. So that's what's fun about it because you do know what's going to happen at the end. It leaves room for. Uh, creativity to start other lines of future movies, you know, in future platforms um, by how you, you know, uh, as we know, we don't really know where Ahsoka, like who Ahsoka is, what she's doing, you know, like it's a still question mark. So that can be a whole new line of, you know, what's happening with her because especially with what's happening with time travel. And again, this all goes back to those Mortis episodes. So if you have to watch any episodes to really understand who Ahsoka is. So when we get through these episodes, Sammy, with all the other podcasts just talking about these episodes that I hope we do, I do want to circle back to Mortis, our, you know, my prediction slash our talks about time travel because by the way simi you're one of the only people that buys that it is time travel what she's doing it seems so obvious that the world between worlds is both time and place travel but i have friends who are like no there's never time travel in star wars and there will never be time travel i'm like she literally ezra went back and pulled her out of the past like how is that not time travel but anyways between world between worlds and mortis and just sort of her as gandalf but even more what about she's siri dude dude uh, look Guys, I'm, I don't want to spoil uh, The Witcher, but Sammy, you are far enough in The Witcher you, at this point. You'll get it more Lady in the Lake, but you're far enough to know that Ciri's powers are more similar to Ahsoka's and vice versa than anything else. And that, if you know Ahsoka, that gives you a little tease, guys, about how powerful Siri is. And if you know Siri, that's a little tease about how powerful and wide-ranging, almost beyond uh, belief and explanation, is Ahsoka's powers. Are Ahsoka's powers. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining me. As usual, I thought somehow we would get this into one podcast, but that was stupid, and I'd rather you listen to two podcasts um, with me and Simi. So, Simi, great to wrap about recent developments in Star Wars, and while neither of us love recent developments, you love them more than me, and most people love them more than me. I think we can agree that the entire Star Wars world, based on the fact that there's like dozens of countdown sites just 
to count down to the Clonors. We are so excited about this, and this has the highest ceiling, I think, for sort of creativity outside the box, but super Star Wars-ness, if that makes sense, since maybe the solo moving. Yeah, man. Uh, I I think this is going to be great. I'm really excited for it, and I think this is going to be a perfect way to do it. Awesome. Well, guys, uh, if I have any idea what I'm doing, which I don't know, this will be the Bizzlecast 279, and then the Clone Wars commentaries uh, you should jump to as the Bizzlecast 280. Final four Clone Wars episodes featuring Simi Klebo, episode 17 through 20 of season five, baby. Uh, I can't wait, Simi. Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you, Bizzlecast listeners. Jump immediately to those commentaries because they are going to be off the hook, and uh, we will try not to disappoint. So thanks, Simi, as always, and I can't wait to do the commentaries with you. Keep it off the hinge. Bizzlecast out.